uh, to Children's Church. What a wonderful message and song. Welcome, Holy Spirit. You know, as Baptists, we're afraid of the Holy Spirit because it says the Bible calls it the Holy Ghost, and we don't like ghosts, so we just we don't like to talk about the, the Holy Spirit. Uh, but the Scripture tells us uh, that the Spirit of God is just as much God as God the Son and God the Father. Uh, John chapter 14 talks about uh, the Spirit of God. It talks about that uh, whom the Father promised, the paraclete, uh, the helper whom the Father promised will come, uh, will encourage us, will bring to our remembrance all that, uh, all that Christ had spoken to us. Uh, and so we are indeed uh, promised the gift of the Holy Spirit and when Pentecost came, not only were we promised the gift of the Holy Spirit, but that promise was realized uh, whenever the Holy Spirit was given to all those who would believe. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to open up to the book of Matthew chapter 2. Uh, Brother Chris, I told you we were going to read verses 1 through 23. I lied. Uh, we're only going to read verses 1 through 12. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard it, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd, his people, who will shepherd my people Israel. And Herod secretly called, the, called for the Magi, and ascertained from them the time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. And when you have found him, Report to me that I too may come and worship him. And having heard the king, they went their way. And lo, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over to where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And they came into the house, saw the child with Mary his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh having been warned by god in a dream not to return to herod they departed for their own country by another way let's pray god we thank you for your goodness <clears throat> we thank you for your promised holy spirit lord which not only inhabits the praise of his people lord but gives us direction discernment and wisdom where we lack Gives us encouragement in times of despair. Gives us strength in time of weakness. Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit this morning to give us insight into your word. Lord, that we might not hear from a preacher, but that we may hear from your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, as we study the book of Matthew, it's important that we remember, remember that Matthew was written by Matthew, and it was written, the audience of Matthew was written to the Jews, 
And the theme of Matthew is Jesus as son of David. So we have Matthew was written by Matthew, the tax collector, written to the Jewish audience. And it was, it was written to present a theme that we will see all throughout the book of Matthew, that Jesus is the son of David, that he is the promised one of God, that he is the, the anointed one whom God had promised from old. Now, as we look at the birth story of Jesus in the book of Matthew, Matthew's gospel is the only gospel to record the visit of the Magi. Now, some of your Bibles may, may translate that word Magi a little differently. How many of you have, have wise men there in, in, in Matthew chapter 2? What about kings? Does anybody have kings? Uh, we sing the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are. Uh, the reality is, is that the, the visitors that came and visited Jesus, they weren't kings. Uh, they were probably from the uh, land of Persia because Magi is a Persian word that has no direct Greek translation. The best thing we can do is that they were probably astrologers. They were probably uh, uh, men, uh, uh, learned men who had studied the stars, who had studied uh, the constellation in the stars, uh, and they were astrologers. And they came to Jesus. They came to find Jesus. Now, it's important for us to understand a couple of key things uh, that, and, and understand a couple of myths uh, that have come up over the years. Uh, first of all, uh, the idea is that, that there was this, that there was the star, like we see in all the Christmas cards, that, that, that was constantly over Jesus and just kind of followed Jesus like a spotlight wherever he went. Well, notice, notice that the scripture says uh, that the Magi saw the star in the east. Now, if they're in Persia, which is east of Jerusalem, and they see the star in the east, they're not going to travel west to find out where this star uh, is, is hovering over because if they see the star in the east and they're going to find out where the star is, is, is uh, over or the, the place under the star in the east, then which direction are they going to travel? They're going to travel. If the star's in the east, they're going to go east, right? Now, if, if the star was in the west, then they would travel west. But the scripture is very plain and very clear that, that the star is in the east. And you say, well, well preacher, you, they're saying that while they were in the east, they, they saw the star. No, the language is very clear that the direction, the adverb, that, and the, the language tells us that the seeing of the star, that the star appeared east of where they were. Now, this tells us that the star did not constantly stay over where jesus was and so what is this star that they saw the reality is is that we really don't know whether it was a comet whether it was a supernova whether it was all of the planets lining up uh, uh jupiter and saturn and some other planet lining up uh creating this 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 large star whether it was it was some other uh supernatural uh event in the heavens we don't know what we do know is that all throughout Scripture, astrology is looked upon with derision. Go with me, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 47. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 47, verses 13 and 14. Listen to how the prophet speaks about astrology. 
You're wearied with your many counsels. Let now the astrologers, those who prophesy by the stars, those who predict the new moons by the new moons, let them stand up and save you from what will come upon you. Behold, they have become like stubble. Fire burns and they cannot deliver themselves from the power of the flame. There will be no coal to warm by, no fire, no fire to sit before. All throughout Scripture, all throughout the, the ancient uh, texts and the ancient Scriptures, we see those astrologers, those magicians, those sorcerers were all lumped into the same category and they were spoken of very, very negatively by Scripture. They were looked upon with derision. Now, it's important that we understand what Matthew is saying here. He is not saying that, that, that because of who Jesus was, that, that it was, it was, it was this, this great epiphany that God gave these pagan astrologers that they would come and that they would worship Jesus as the Messiah. That's not what the text is saying. What the text is telling us is that, is that there was this supernatural event in the heavens that signaled the coming of the Messiah. And even the pagans were aware that there was something different, that there was something magical, that there was something supernatural that took place. And so they came searching that which caused that supernatural event. Now, while astrologers may be looked on with derision, the scripture tells us that these magi came genuinely seeking the king. They came genuinely, sincerely seeking the king. And Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 tells us that we will seek when we find. We will seek and find when we seek with all of our hearts. You say, but they were pagans. And so were we. Do you realize that when we began to seek after God, it was only because the Holy Spirit had begun to work in us? At one time, we too were just as lost and, and confused and delusional as the astrologers looking at the heavens for answers looking at 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 horoscopes and looking looking for for some answer to give us direction and god by his grace and by his mercy peeled back the layers on our eyes that we may see jesus matthew chapter 7 verse 7 and 8 matthew will later write as jesus speaks in the sermon on the mount Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it shall be opened. Jesus' message doesn't say, if you knock the right way, it'll be opened. If you seek the right way, it'll be, you, you'll find. If you ask in the right manner, you will, you will receive. Jesus says, Ask, seek, knock. So oftentimes, so oftentimes, we are reminded in Scripture that God reveals Himself to those who seek, even if they seek in the wrong manner. Do you remember Cornelius? Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 is genuinely seeking God. He's a pagan. He does not know God. He is a God-fearer, but he does, he's not an Israelite. Yet God sends him, supernaturally sends him Peter. Paul, on the road to Damascus, genuinely seeking, genuinely zealous 
for the righteousness of God, persecuting the church. And as Paul is genuinely seeking to do right by God, God sends him a revelation on the road to Damascus. And Jesus appears before Saul and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? All throughout Scripture, those who genuinely seek, God shows himself. Here, Matthew chapter 2, I want us to notice the question of the Magi. Verse 2, he says to them, he says, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star in the east, and we have come to worship here. Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, we see the theme of Matthew. They don't say, where is he who has been born, and, and, and where is the prophet who has been born? Where is the great miracle worker? Where is the great healer that has been born? Notice the language. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Where is he who has been born, he who is of royal blood? Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Jesus was visited by men of great importance. In the world that they lived in, the magi, the astronomers, the astrologers, the sorcerers, the magicians, were men of great importance, great wealth, and great influence. Contrast that visit with the visit in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, who visits Jesus? The shepherds. This is Charlie Brown Christmas. Lo, there were shepherds abiding, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly afraid. And that's what we immediately think of when we think of the birth story of Jesus, is the visit of the shepherds. Contrast that with Matthew's visit. Matthew doesn't mention the shepherds. He doesn't mention the angels. He doesn't mention uh, the, the, the place of Jesus' birth other than Bethlehem. He doesn't mention that there was no room in the inn, so they laid him in a, a feed trough, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, because all of those images conjure images of humility, images of, of, of peasantry, image of, images of, of meager means. And after all, Matthew is portraying Jesus as whom? as the son of David, as the king, as the promised anointed one of God. And if I'm Israel, I'm expecting my Messiah to be the king. I'm expecting my Messiah to be him who is, him who is visited by, by those of great importance, not those of, of meager means. And so we see Matthew portraying Jesus vastly different than Luke. Were Jesus a child of inconsequential birth, Herod wouldn't care. Look at the next passages. They come to Jesus, I'm sorry, they come to Herod, verse 3. And when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. The response of Herod gives credibility to the claim of Matthew. If Jesus was someone of, of, of inconsequential birth, if Jesus was, of, was someone who had no royal lineage, who had no legal claim to the throne, Herod wouldn't care that somebody said there was a king born in Bethlehem. But because of the royal lineage of Jesus, of whom we've just seen in Matthew chapter 1, remember we looked at Matthew chapter 1 and we saw the royal lineage of Jesus, that through the line of Joseph, that Jesus had the legal right and a legal claim to the throne of David, and that through 
through the, the lineage of Jesus that we saw in Matthew, that not only is he the son of David, the legal heir to the throne, but he is the son of Abraham, the son of promise, the, the fulfillment of the covenant that God had promised since, since uh, Genesis chapter 12. And so we see Jesus being the legal heir to the throne and Jesus being the, the son of promise, the son of covenant for, for all of Israel. And so with those realities, Herod is threatened by the proclamation of the Magi. They come, to Mad, they come to Herod and they say, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? And Herod is, is fearful. Herod is threatened. And so what does Herod do? He responds by secretly desiring to kill this Jesus. The response of Herod not only gives credibility to the claim of Matthew, but reveals the heart of Herod. I question whether or not our response to Jesus as king would emulate that of Herod or not. See, for the Jewish people, they didn't mind Jesus' teaching in the temple. In fact, the scripture tells us just a little, bit, a little bit later on in the gospel of Luke that whenever Jesus was a young man of about 12 years old that he was preaching and he was teaching in the synagogue and all of the people were confounded and, and, and were blown away by the wisdom that this young man had. Later on, as Jesus is preaching on the mountainsides in the, in the, in the rural regions of Galilee that he commands thousands upon thousands hearers to come and hear how he teaches with great wisdom and great insight jesus when he when he begins to heal the multitudes the israelites are not they're not angry they're not they're not calling for his head in fact when he's healing they're bringing their sick they're bringing their lame and Jesus is single-handedly wiping out all disease and all, all sickness in the land and in the region. The problem comes when Jesus claims deity. When Jesus claims to be king. That's what Herod had a problem with. He didn't have a problem with the benevolence of Jesus. He didn't have a problem with the, the miracles of Jesus or even the teachings of Jesus. But when he heard that he was king, he said, I'll not have this man rule over me. I wonder what our response to the claim of Jesus as king would be. What troubles me most in this passage is not the response of Herod, but rather the response of the scribes and the priests. Look at verse 4. So Herod gathered together all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people. And he began to inquire them where the Christ was to be born. Notice, and it doesn't say that they had to go and they had to consult the scriptures and they had to make careful search from the, from the prophets to ascertain the, the prophecy of where Christ was to be born. But no, they just rattled it off, didn't they? They said, well, Micah wrote in chapter 5, verse 2, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth the ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They knew the prophets. They knew the scripture. But did the priests, the scribes, make any attempt to go to Bethlehem? No. 
They knew the prophecy. And these magi show up and they say, we've seen a star in the east. We've seen this, this supernatural event that signified that there is a new ruler, a new king that has been born. And we have come to worship him. And a devout Pharisee, a devout priest, a devout scribe would have, would have been exuberant and enthusiastic and excited that really the Messiah has been born? He who was promised has been born? The, the, the king of covenant has come? Let me go with you. We want to come and worship him. We want to bow down. We want to pledge our homage to him. But no, what the Pharisees, chief priests, the scribes, what they do? They said, no, prophets say that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Good luck on your travels. Let me know how it goes. The scribes and the priests quoted Matthew, uh, Micah chapter 5, verses 2. They knew the facts. They could quote the scriptures but they couldn't care less about the implications. This is, this is, I fear, the plight of the church. We know the word. We sit in Bible study after Bible study after Bible study. We can quote passages front, frontwards and backwards, but we could care less about the implications. We know the word of God says, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. We don't care. We know the scripture says in Mark chapter 8, verse 34 and 35, that he who wishes to save his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. We know that Jesus said, many will say to me, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? And I will say to you on that day, depart from me, ye cursed, for I never knew you. We know the scriptures. We know what it teaches. We just don't care. Because we'd rather fulfill the desires of the flesh and be obedient to the word and that was where the scribes and the priests and the religious leaders of that day were they had political power they had influence they had money and if it meant that they were going to have to give up this world and this life then they did not want any part of the implications of that scripture Mark chapter 7, verse 6. I fear that this is the plight of the church. He says, rightly did Isaiah the prophet prophesy. You hypocrites. These people who honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Much was the case of the scribes and the chief priests. They knew. They knew the text. They knew the prophets. But they couldn't care less about the implications. But then look at the Magi. The Magi were pagans. They were not Jews. They were not devout men of Israel. Not men who had been acquainted with the Old Testament prophets, not men who had been obedient to the, to the Levitical laws, not men who had been giving themselves on a regular basis to the sacrificial system. These were pagans. These were astrologers. These were men who looked to the stars for their, for their direction and for their discernment and for their wisdom. These were not devout men. These were not Jews. These were not people who were believers and who were followers of the God of Israel. These were pagans, lost. 
Notice their response to Jesus. Look at verse 11. And they came into the house and saw the child with Mary his mother. And they bowed down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There were three three actions of the Magi. The first thing they did was they bowed. They humbled themselves. Acknowledging that in all of my effort, in all of my wisdom, I bowed in humility before this baby. The second thing they did was they worshipped. They adored. They gave homage to this child. And the third thing they did was they opened their treasures. They gave Jesus access to that which was most important to them. What is most important to us? Have we responded in kind? Have we responded in the very way that the Magi responded? Notice the two in our story who were Jews, who knew the Scripture, who knew the prophets, Herod and the scribes and the priests responded with pride, responded with, with either outright rejection and resentment of Christ or indifferent apathy, not giving heed to the implications of the word, but the pagan, the one who knew not God, responds with sincerity and worship and opening their gifts. They opened that which was most important to them and they gave it to Jesus. Have we opened our hearts? That which was most important to us. Have we given Jesus access to that which was most important to us? It's interesting to note that when they opened their hearts and worship, that God changed their direction. Look at verse 12. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country in another way. They came to Jesus not knowing what they would find. They came to Jesus not knowing not knowing the implications of what they would find. Yet when they met Jesus, immediately He changed their direction. Isn't it interesting that the pagans who come in contact with the Anointed One of God, the Sovereign Son of David, have their direction in their life changed immediately? But the chief priests and the scribes who give no heed to the teachings of the prophets. The king who outright rejects Christ. Their lives and their direction continue along the same path. But the pagan who opens his heart has the direction of his life changed drastically. What is Matthew telling us? It's important for us to understand who was the book of Matthew written to? The Jew. What is he saying to the Jew? He's saying your ethnicity is not as important as you think it is. Your lineage 
is not as important as you think it is. Your heritage is not as important as you think it is. Remember the genealogy? Who was, G- who was Matthew clear to point out? It was Rahab, the prostitute. It was Ruth, the Moabitess. It was these, these who were not Jews in the lineage of Jesus. He is quick to point them out to remind the hearers that while you may be ethnically Israel, it is by faith that we come unto salvation. It is not our right. It is not our inheritance. That which changes your direction is by faith. Paul tells it in Romans. He says the just shall live by faith. It is by faith in Christ that we are saved. In Hebrews, the author tells us without faith it is impossible to please God. It is by faith. When we come to Jesus, and when we open up that which is most precious to us, our lives, our souls, we give it to Jesus, He promises to change our direction. He promises to take our feet from the miry clay and place it upon the rock. He promises to take us from a life of darkness and to give us the light of life. He says, the enemy comes but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The truth of the gospel is that in and of our own lives and in and of our own ways that we, the the scripture tells us in Proverbs that there's a way that seems right to man and the end thereof is death. Countless times throughout Scripture, we see Jesus make this statement. He who wishes to save his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake shall find it. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. The things that don't make sense in this world, it makes sense to reach after and to to lust after and to strive for the things of this world. Jesus says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Magi came looking for a king, not knowing what they would find. They found Jesus, and their life was dramatically changed. Maybe you're here this morning, and you've come just like the Magi, not knowing what you'll find, not knowing really what you're looking for. Maybe this morning, God has led you to Jesus. The scripture tells us that he was born of a virgin. He lived a righteous life without sin. Was killed. Buried in a borrowed tomb. Was in the grave for three days and rose victorious over sin, death, and the grave. So all those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus, in His death, His burial, and His resurrection, may have eternal life. That's the message of the Gospel. Maybe you're here this morning and you've come not knowing what you'll find, but you found Jesus. May He change your direction today. Let's pray.